0: Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free
1: assessment and find out how much you
0: can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
3: hello and welcome to another episode of the old lady speaks podcast on black and white and red all over i am your host danny for episode number 47 and might i just say 47 would you have guessed when the season started this current season that has been a absolute roller coaster that danilo of all people would have a chance to start 47 games in all competitions freaking danilo really is the surprise
0: of the year like of all of the least expected things for Danilo to be like one of the best performing and most important players of the season is like but hey maybe now people will shut up about the Cancelo
2: deal because you know hey he was playing he was playing just fine during the summer last year so it kind of you know it's still a surprise because I didn't even really think he would be getting that much time at right back to play Quadrado was playing but hey more power to him I'll take sure. any positives this
3: year. That's right. We're coming to you after a, a little bit better of a result. I don't know about performance, but better result than last week. So let me bring in the crew here. We're at Chuck's this week, by the way. So we've got Sam Lopresti. Hello, Sam.
0: Hello, Danny. Hello, Sam.
3: We've got Sergio. Hello, Sergio.
1: Hey, fellas. Happy to be here, as always, uh, after, you know, taking taking a pot off. But, you know, good to be back.
3: Yeah, we, we gave you the weekend off. Are you feeling rested after? after your weekend away
1: yeah you know i mean just muscle fatigue nothing nothing too bad so i'm I'm
3: back
0: gotta get those cords rested every once in a while you know those those vocal cords
2: that's right exactly
3: that's right and we've got the newest member of the black and white and rattle over crew caleb turrentine hello caleb
2: hey everybody glad to be here i miss podcasting so yeah i'm excited for this
3: thanks for joining us so as I mentioned, Juventus with a win as compared to last week when we had Tito on, where he could gloat about Juventus dropping points against Fiorentina. So obviously it was not a very good performance overall outside of, say, the last, oh, five minutes and then stoppage time. But thankfully, as I, I mentioned, the, the first couple months of when Cristiano Ronaldo was a Juventus player, thankfully his goals actually help Juventus now. Rather than come against Juventus, so as Sam gets a wry smile on his face, your thoughts on the uh, on the Juventus win that probably shouldn't have been a win based on how they played the first eighty-five or so minutes?
0: No, that was like that was one of the direst performances I've seen in a lot. Like like that was Del Neri level bad. Like I, I and and it was it was such that you know after Juve score or after udinese scored rather on another one of those brain farts that we've been seeing all year out of this team after about 10 minutes i was starting to think there's no response here this isn't going to this isn't going to happen and it happened that fast i i just i didn't see i didn't see a way out for a long time and and it's it was cuz when you look at, at at certain elements of the game the fact that we you know we created so little like look at simone scufet in goal poor poor guy here is here he is not playing you know it's his i think second or third game playing all season long hadn't played a top flight game in almost 3 in almost three years, nine,
3: 925 days. I think it was.
0: Yeah. And if you look at the, the rare occasion that he, the, on the rare occasions, he was actually called into action. He was terrible because he was so rusty. There was that free kick in the first half where he came out to try and get something on it. And he just kind of like tamely palmed it right at Matthias Delict And like, got really lucky that there were people in between delict and the goal. And then on that last goal, uh, on the winning goal, I mean, th- this has been challenged in some circles where that I've been on, both at, but both in our forum and others. But I personally think Juan Musso saves that if he's not suspended or at least does something with, I mean, to let yourself get megs like that at the near post is bad goalkeeping. You know, if it had gone one side or the other of him or something, that's one thing. He was right in front of the ball and he got magged. That's, that's bad. And all this is to say, if Juventus had actually put this, this, this guy under pressure at all throughout the entire rest of the body of the game, what might've happened? This might've been a really comfortable win in that case, because if he was facing shots, you know, if you put, had him facing shots all game, judging by what we've seen, we saw the rest of the time that he was actually had to deal with the ball. Good things would have probably happened for Juventus because he just he just wasn't seeing things right. But yeah, it was another, I mean, it, it was so flat. It was so listless. I do wonder if the fact that Inter had been confirmed as champions an hour before kickoff kind of, had a mental effect on the team going out the idea that, you know, that the rain was over on their watch, which is, you know, you never want to in a situation like this, you never do want to be that team. And now they were, and I wonder if that had something to do with the way that they came out mentally, but everything was so flat and listless. The, there was the passing was, was slow. The off ball movement was non-existent and it just, it was awful. And then you get, you get two mo you know, you get those two moments, the first being the, the handball by De Powell, which is, I don't know what he was thinking like after, after a couple of months of really awful things happening in the wall for Juventus, I, it was nice to be on the other side of one of those for once. And of course, in a situation like that, this, you know, you, you absolutely want Ronaldo standing over that p- penalty kick. And then Rabió comes in and on like his probably what must've been his maybe third or fourth touch because he had, he'd only been on the field for three minutes launches a great ball. Ronaldo gets to, gets to it over a defender who had just come in relatively cold. That's another, aspect of that, that I mentioned in my recap was that, you know, the guy that was marking him was Samir who had just come on for Kevin Bonifazi, who had had a fantastic game, but overall it's, it was just Sergio's mentioned in a couple grab bags that they look checked out and it has never been, that has never been more evident than now. And the only thing I can hope is, you know, next week when Milan come to town, that Federico Chiesa is fit enough to play. And maybe you might actually get some push and energy from somewhere and, and figure out a way to, to win that, uh, what ter- will be a critical head to head in the top four race.
1: Yeah. I, I, mostly agree with, with Sam on, on almost everything, except I, I do think that while the, the, you know, the second goal, the scuffet thing, I don't think that was such a you know bad mistake. I, I it's one of those shots that happens super quick. You know, it's the guy, Ronaldo, is between two defenders. I'm guessing he didn't think that he was going to get to the ball. I didn't think he was going to get to the ball, but it was a fantastic cross by Adrian Raviot. I, 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 I think it's a little bit of one of those things that the shot is so so quick that you just don't even have any time to, to react. with uh, a great keeper stop that? Maybe, you know, we'll never know. But I, you know, like... Like Sam said, I'm sure happy that we finally got some luck in a Cristiano Ronaldo free kick, that's for sure. Just because it had been, you know, it's been ghastly. And I'm guessing it will continue to be ghastly, but they lucked out this time. So that's that's always nice. It, you know, especially, you know, considering that Inter just won the championship and they won it in a very Juventus-like way in which Every single little bounce that kind of just completely went against Juventus this year, every single one of them went for Inter. And you can chalk that up for the luck. You can chalk that up to, you know, work or preparation or whatever you want to call it. But it was a very Juventus-like championship for, for me in the sense that they got all those little results. They got all those little bounces going their way. And I think this is the first match in a second that those little things went for went for Juventus. I mean, the the PK is just, you know, just a complete gift. Uh, that, you know, you know, excellent cross by Raviyad, excellent header. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, you did nothing to deserve that result, and you still get it out. And that's exactly what you know Juventus have been doing for the last three, four years, and that's exactly what hasn't happened this year. So it was, it, it leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth, because it was a bad game. It was a very boring game. It was a very poorly played game Uh, but at this point with you know European qualification being what it is I'm you know I'm not gonna get picky about how we're getting the points you just you know at this point actually the title of my piece was three points that's it that's all I care about like you know we we got the result we needed and considering this was a quote-unquote easy matchup with the Milan Inter Sassuolo gauntlet we have coming coming up that's you know they really, really needed this one. That, that's
2: all I'll say. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that when you're looking at how, it's like on two separate ends of the spectrum, how poorly they played, but also how important the three points were. They, they go hand in hand. And at the end of the day, you can't really, I mean, you can obviously complain when it's been a season-long thing with these performances, but you when you're walking away with three points and you're still right there in a the Champions League spot, maybe it can serve as some motivation. Even with, the way you know obviously inter winning the title running away with it with with this many matches remaining that's it's important i think to to have a game like that maybe spark some motivation maybe do something but i uh, do go going back to the two goals i think it is kind of funny that you know we talk about ronaldo hitting the wall all the time and his most important free kick of the season still hits the wall i mean <laughs> sure it was blocked illegally but it feels about right that that's what's going to happen if I always felt like it was going to be somehow important that him hitting a wall would, would go Juventus' way instead of just, you know, being blocked back out 30 more yards. Uh, and then on the second goal, I, I tend to agree that it was a goalie mistake, but I also – and I'm, I don't give credit to Ronaldo very often, so listen carefully to anyone new here. But his movement on that was perfect. The ball was great, but he, his movement to get there and be able to get ahead on the ball was, was I think, even better than the header itself. Especially because looking back, and might not be exact here, but that after he heads the ball, the ball definitely takes a deflection off the defender's chest, which I think might have thrown off the goalie. And you know, I could argue it was an own goal if you really want to get into the physics of it. But hey, I won't. I won't go that far. We'll give him credit, I guess, for now. But you know, again, he like everyone else says, he's he he wasn't good. The rest of the team wasn't good. I think uh, the game really embodied the the midfield confusion that we've had all year on your Pirlo, I think this really brought every single issue that they've had all in one game, uh, especially, you know, it's, it's it was easier to overlook when you have individual performances, but with McKinney actually being bad, Benton Kirby and bad, you know, that's, you can't have that happen. And, you know, it's frustrating, but you walk away with three points and for someone who isn't the biggest Ronaldo fan over here, you know, I just kind of like, Oh, no, he got us three points. I'm not celebrating him, but let's move on. Let's get to the next game.
1: You know, just to, you know, and in, in joining in into the, you know, Ronaldo love party we have going on here. I, I think that that's a great point because I, I remember when, when he was in, in in Real Madrid. My brother is a Real Madrid fan, so I, I watched a fair amount of their games. And so, uh, not, not super often, but a lot of the times you would see him both in Champions League and in La Liga. It just kind of like, be contained, be bottled up, be kind of like not super effective for large, large parts of the game. And, but somehow, some way, he would come through at the end with with something, with anything. I mean, he would, you know, yeah, sometimes it was a PK. That's, you know, I mean, that does happen. But sometimes it was with movements like this when he was objectively bad all game long. And then the one moment, like, like Caleb said, that's a great move to put himself into position. He's between two dudes, and he still gets the shot off. Like, yes, I and even I mentioned it in, in a couple of graphics ago. I think that you know it's just why does he have to play all the time when even even when he's playing really bad? Like, why don't they sub him out? And I guess this type of games is why because even if he's playing poorly, like he just has that you know knack. He just has that ability to get to that ball in the in the in the last moment. You know, even if he's been bottled up all game. I think he does have that that ability. And, you know, this is not the first time he's bailed out the team. Uh, this is the first time that he's bailed out the team in, in a while, I think, this season. But this is not the first time we've seen something like this. So, so it is, you know, it is nice that when, you know, if all things fail, you still have, you know, arguably the greatest goal scorer
2: of all time in your team. So that's not a horrible plan B, I would say. I would argue Udinese bailed out Juventus more than Ronaldo bailed out Juventus. Just, just to be clear here on the, the last how those two <laughs> goals were scored,
0: and also the not only that but the game the the game as a whole. I, I mentioned this in my my post game. This was not a situation where a smaller team was playing the game of their season and holding Juventus at bay. Udinese did not play well,
3: like. Mm-hmm. They they didn't do anything
0: special at all. No, they didn't have a shot on target after they scored, and they had you know in the second half they had I think all of two actual opportunities to extend their lead. This was a this was an Udinese team that was playing really really bad football alongside Juventus also playing really 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 bad football, and it comes down to you know it came down the game came down to two mistakes one one by the entire Juventus team on the the free kick that led to Molina's goal De Powell sticking his elbow out in the wall um and then one really really great passage of play with Rabi'o taking the the early cross and Ronaldo like you guys said getting you know making a really good run to get onto the ball and get the shot in in the first place um Like it, this was, this was a, a game of who this, this was a game. This is not a game of who is better. It was a game of who is not worst because this, it was just awful, awful football from everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh baby. Mama's
3: bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: All right. On that note, we're going to transition into something a little bit different. I teased last week that we're going to have the return of the Twitter questions. And I guess folks were... Looking forward to the return of the Twitter questions because we got a whole bunch of them when uh, when I woke Pen up. Head top this energy, right? <laughs> I guess they're sick of us talking about the Super League. So so we've got a whole bunch of Twitter questions and pretty much the plan is just to have one question per person here. So I'm going to start with the newbie, Caleb, from friend of the blog at UV Therapy. Opinion on Mino Raiola signing Barbara Baba B- Bonansea as his first female client.
2: It's hard to get excited about anything that Mino Royale does because it's just like, <laughs> I'm tired of hearing about it at a certain point, but obviously it, you see that kind of stuff happening for, for the women's game. And it, that is going to bring publicity. That is going to bring, you know, some, some good things. Uh, and you always like to see, see that happening. And it's really cool for a player who's as good as as it is to, You know, but also not very well known. I know She just made the world 11, but she's not a name that always comes up in European play because she hasn't been through the Champions League. You know, the Italian national team hasn't been, you know, deep into a World Cup. A lot of people don't know about her. So it it is kind of cool for her, I think, to be able to be in these headlines as, you know, some women's soccer fans might see see that name, not really know much about it. And and it might push them to learn more, not only just about her, but the the team and and the Italian league, which obviously needs a lot more behind it. And so in that sense, I think this can be a good step.
0: Makes me sad to think that he'll, that, it probably does signal Bonanzea leaving though, doesn't it? Because you don't, you don't sign with Mina Raiola to stay in a league that only pays semi-professional salaries. That's just,
2: yeah, I think hey, – but at the same time, it, that does make me go back to feeling good for her because obviously I want to watch her and I want her to succeed at Juventus. But at the end of the day, yeah, girl, go, get, go make your money. <laughs> like, yeah. like, don't it get also what great, you deserve.
0: <laughs> it also greatly simplifies the situation for Andrea Stashkova that you had in your first piece for the, uh, for the blog. So that's uh...
2: – Yes, and she scored two more goals and had two more assists this past weekend. So in a start, I'm just saying – She's she's legit and she's only 20. So let's let's put her out
3: there. Let's let her lead the line. And Juventus, the Juventus women also have a couple of very good young strikers out on loan right now. So if Bonanza does leave, that could very well open up a spot for either both of them or at least one of them. So definitely an interesting situation because I, I remember somebody responded to her, you know, to us to the article we wrote about it saying they only operate on one-year contracts and it's like yeah the the women's game is a whole lot different than the men's game in Italy so next one will go to Sergio Romero who is known as the driver of the uh, Inter Milan is a fraud bus here do we hate Inter A as much or B more than before the season
1: no I think look it, it pains <laughs> me to say and I I alluded to it at the beginning but They just had a really good season. They did. I mean, it is what it is. They, so many times you would, you know, glance at this forward and while Juventus was struggling against, you know, Croton or whatever, you would see Inter also struggling against, you know, another mid to low table team. Even, you know, in the, in the great Super League debacle, when, you know, the game immediately afterwards, like there was a moment where Juve was losing to Parma and Inter was losing as well. I think it was Petty, if I remember correctly. And, and they were in that position so many times this season that I, I really, you know, I really thought like this is, cool. at some point, they're going to start dropping points. Like, it is going to happen. And it never did. I mean, credit to them, it never, ever did. They just, they're, they're a tough team. They really, really are. They're like a gritty, tough team. Did it help that they got, you know, dumped in the group stage and the Champions League and didn't even go to Europa League? Of course it did, but was that embarrassing for them? Of course it is, because it's an Antonio Conte team, and that's their trademark to you know, crash and burn in Europe. But you know, outside of that, they were really good in the league. They, it's a, it's a deserved result. My heartfelt congratulations to Inter, their fans. You won one trophy in ten years, so that's that's still. I I can't wait for 20, There's 30, there's a the
3: backhanded compliment
1: uh i can't wait for like 2031 or something like that when you when you guys get get something again so enjoy it i will say though their hashtag their celebratory hashtag was like in i'm i'm scudetto or something like that because it's like i am get it inter milan and scudetto like it's terrible it's awful it's really really bad i don't know also, what they is. have
0: to read they had to reintroduce what the Scudetto was to their fans. Like, it's yeah, like, just like, know. this is we Scudetto. Go.
2: We it's haven't seen years. him in a I don't while. Don't, I don't, what, is, what is this word? I don't know what you're trying to say to me. They he looks wonders, a little like, bit like,
0: is, like Badgie from Star Trek Lower Decks. Like, you know, that's this is how he's like...
1: They, they just wondered all the time. Like, what, why does Yuva always have, like, a like a little stamp on their kid? Like, what's up with that? And now they get to have it. That's really, in a way, that's hard as well, so... Uh, I, I kudos to them, especially kudos for, you know, continuing the, the tradition of just horrible social media hashtag for for the championship celebrations. That's, that's another thing they copied from you. Then, you know,
0: and I really yeah. do what I really do. Like I want somebody to leak what the 10th would have been.
3: I was going to ask Sergio, what would his, his 10th straight Scudetto hashtag have been?
1: I don't know. I, I honestly don't know because they've gone through so many awkward ham-fisted things that it's, <laughs> it's tough.
2: <laughs>
1: it's tough. I mean, I, I, you know, the mind, the mind wonders. I, I, I will work on one and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have it ready for next pot or next piece, whatever happens first. But the mind, the mind wonders. It was going
2: to be bad, I guarantee you. Like, it was going yep. to make very little sense. You have to decide if it's an I-O or an L-O, you know, you have to really figure out where the 10 going to go in. If there's going to be an L over here and an O over here, yeah. Exactly. you know, there's a lot going on there. The, the key rule is that it
1: doesn't make sense until you read it, like, five times and it's like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, they get <laughs> that
2: thing, okay. Anything's better than high five Tory. which, you know, yeah. I guess four or five years ago now, so... Whatever. Let's just get up past that. Congratulations, Sander. Whatever.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that question, by the way, I forgot to mention it beforehand, it was from at Andy T four four five seven nine. So next up for Sam Presti, this is right down Broadway for you here, buddy. From at Coligno, if we get only one midfielder, this list, list Mercado should it be Manuel Locatelli or the aforementioned Rodrigo DePaul? And for Coligno personally, he would like to know. Why should it be Rodrigo De Paul for Sam Lopresti? Why should it be Manuel it, Locatelli? I, I
0: don't know if it should be Rodrigo De Paul, but <laughs> uh, I mean, I know obviously I've had my heart set on on Locatelli for a long time. That's not a secret on this blog. Part of that also comes from I, I've been referencing this part of my writing career a lot lately. But I, when I was at Bleacher Report years ago, I covered AC Milan during the year that Manuel Locatelli was first promoted to the first team. So I've been watching him and tracking him for a long time because a lot of my bleacher report articles did say something along the lines of why is this kid not, why is this kid not playing? And Michael Essien is, I I think that it is a major the, the major thing why I like Locatelli a little bit more than I like DePaul is that he's he's more of a regista. He's more of that kind of the, the deep lying guy that can create a move from the midfield and 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 break a defense down from that spot. The way that the way that Andrea Pirlo used to the way that Claudio Marquezio in a slightly different way than Pirlo, but before he got hurt was doing out of that spot, the way Miralem Pjanic when he was in form could do at that spot. I think of DePaul as a little bit more of a box to box guy, a little bit more of a, of, you know, what we kind of all thought Rodrigo Benton would turn into or to use another potential Juve transfer target more along the lines of Hussein Mawar. My main reason I like Locatelli more as a transfer target is that he has a skill set that the team needs more than DePaul's skill set is. Because depending on who you keep in the lineup, Rabio, McKenney, Benton core those guys can provide similar things to Depaul. Depaul's a little bit more creative, but they are those box to box type guys. Locatelli very much much more has the skill set of that true regista that Juventus has really really needed these last couple of years. And and that's why I think it that that's why I would lean a little bit more towards Locatelli than I would towards Depaul.
2: I think uh maybe getting too far ahead trying to talk about which midfielder we want, because I'm sitting over here looking at our midfield options and seeing how they play together and being like, we got to figure out what we want to see from our midfield before we can add anyone to it. I, I don't even know what this midfield is supposed to look like. You see everyone basically on free roam positioning, and you know that doesn't really work when they're all of a sudden all in the exact same spot, and no one's behind them when they give away the ball. That's why I'd really like to see an actual holding midfielder, which neither of those two guys really fit that mark because i don't think that the best midfielders that that Juventus currently have i don't want to see west mckinney play a a holding midfielder his energy is way too high he's going to be a box-to-box guy you don't put rodrigo there i mean that's why i don't just want to bring in another guy who fits the same thing that a bunch of our midfielders already have especially when we're throwing them all out there together and it's clearly not working so i'd like to see what if Pirlo is still going to be the coach, I'd like to see what his midfield looks like before deciding who I want to bring into that midfield.
3: And that's a perfect transition into the next one for Caleb from at Buffonismo 2001. What do you think is the best way to get the most out of the current midfield if there is one?
2: Wow. Okay. So yeah, that was a good transition. <laughs> Let's just keep on rolling. I, th- I, I, I I think that adding a good, consistent holding midfielder is the best way to get the most out of the. Two front right there, especially. I, I don't think a four four two is the best way to get something out of this midfield for starters. I think a four three three would probably be a lot better. You know, four two three one maybe, because then you can actually have a little bit more freedom in your positioning for central midfielders. I'd like to see you know West McKinney be able to push up. I'd like to see uh, Arthur actually be able to be on the ball and move around him, be that guy that can free roam a little bit. Do I have a perfect solution to that holding midfielder? No, I, you know, I didn't. I mean, it's not like you can just go out and find an Angola Conte, you know, just anywhere. So it, I, I don't, I don't even know if I've seen them be a target anywhere, you know. Sure, go pay Milan three billion dollars for Cassier. I'd love to see his physical presence be, you know, be on defense behind everyone who's pushing forward. That'd be fun. But that's not going to happen. So I can't just say Kessie because that's not someone who's a real target. So I don't have a a player solution, but that would be my solution to get the most out of the current midfield players is finding a a holding midfielder. Could even be from the academy. Bring somebody up. I don't care. Just give me a good holding midfielder.
1: Yeah. I I actually agree a lot with Caleb because I, I, I stake my claim in the, you know, Rodrigo Bentancourt and Adrian Rabiot are not bad. Take like they're not bad players. They they just don't work in that holding midfielder position. They just don't work together in the way that they're currently playing. They they just don't work, but they're really, really good. Like, and it's showing with flashes. It just, you see it here and there with Bentancourt just like making a perfect run and a perfect fight to get the ball back and do all of that. That's what he's good at. You get uh, Adrian Raviad, you know, kind of like dribbling one guy and then just running up front and trying to make something happen in a counterattack. That's what they're really good at. And you know, I, I really don't think that I know that, you know, currently the you know, the team as a whole, but especially the midfield is in complete shambles, but I just don't really think that they are that far away. And and the best, you know, exhibit A for me is those, you know, the the halcyon days of early January when Arthur finally seemed like he was, you know, getting it together and he was finally playing well. And, you know, and Juve looked a lot better. It was only for like four or five games. So it was, you know, uh, false hope we got there. But for those four or five games, the team looked significantly better because they had a guy that could actually play that holding midfielder and just let the other dudes do what they do best. And I think if you get, once you get that guy, I think a lot of things just kind of figure themselves out. I don't think you're that far away in regards to midfield. I don't think you need to, you know, just blow it up and sell everyone. I, I think you really are just one, a couple good, you know, deep playing midfielders and you're not that far away from really unleashing what you already have and, and putting them in the best position to see. You
0: know, we've, we've said this line on the pod before, the midfield has a lot of talented guys that don't go together. They're all the same player. They, they don't complement each other's skills. Once you actually mesh that into a team, you know, mesh that into a unit that can actually support each other and play, then you've got a much better midfield and a much better team and a team that can actually
2: create. Yeah. I think what, when I think, bringing up Mittenger and Revio and talking about how good of players actually are. We think about how excited we got about Rodrigo when we first saw him and how good we thought he was going to be. He had a holding midf- I mean, he had Max Allegri, but he had a holding midfielder and Vise Matweedy behind him. Even Sammy Kadira can do the job behind these guys right now. I mean, uh, maybe not anymore, but the point is that those Quentin, happy Sammy, that Sammy wouldn't be upright. So that's the, <laughs> well, you know, Maybe four years ago, Sammy could play in this midfield. He'd be a good fit for it. Five years ago, Sammy.
3: All right, Sergio, back to you. Could it be Paulo Dybala's season next season if Pirlo gets sacked and Allegri returns?
1: I wish. And I hope so. <laughs> I mean, that'd, that'd be fun. <laughs> the, the thing with, with Paulo Dybala is that he, you know, this whole narrative about, you know, him being a, a, tough, place, a, a tough player to fit in, is just not true. He's a second striker. He's always been a second striker. Like he, that's where he's played his best. That's where you can get the most out of him. He's the second striker that plays very well with a, you know, like a straight number nine with a pure number nine and Alvaro Morata a uh, Mario Lukic type of dude. That's just who he is, and he's really, really good at that. And I, I again, like I just see this this team, and that very much includes Paulo Dybala. Vale, that very much includes the entire midfield, and I see a team that is just a few tweaks. A few players here and there, a few moves here and there, and it's not a bad team. And that very much includes Paulo Ibala because if you play him, I think that if, you know, right now, obviously we've seen very little of both Morata and Dybala healthy and fit. I actually don't think that's happened all season long. But I think if you just run with those guys, that's going to lead you to pretty good results, because we've seen what they can do together. And it's been pretty damn good. Ivala has had his best season just playing as that second striker type of guy. And it wouldn't, you know, obviously right now we're in, you know, full on Twitter transfer rumors, you know, wild speculation. Andrea Pirlo is for sure getting fired if he loses his next match, but then he wins and he's definitely staying and just all that sort of, you know, complete bull that makes no sense. But, you know, we've been seeing this, if Max O'Leary comes back, he's going to bring in, like, he's going to, uh, they're going to let Ronaldo go, and he's going to bring in, like, Keen and something like that. Like, that would be, to and build around the which, sure, let's hope so. But I think that would actually be the best way to get the best out of him. Just put him on with a, a true number nine, a true striker, and just let him lose and he will get results because we've seen him get results playing in that position before. It's not, it's not rocket science. That's the thing. And the problem is that when you have a dude like Cristiano Ronaldo, he, just, he is just by virtue of who he is. Uh, it's going to change that and it's going to make a lot of other dudes seem like they are difficult to play with him which it is, but it's not because they are necessarily the ones that are difficult to play with. It's because Cristiano Ronaldo is the guy who's you know, pretty difficult to play with. A, he's a guy that demands a lot of the ball, but he's not an out-and-out out nine. He scores a lot, but he doesn't really do the hold-up job that you need from a number nine. He kind of initiates attacks from the left wing. like He is kind of like a weird player to fit your team around it. Have teams that have done so have been very successful in the past? Absolutely. But you know, he's just kind of like that weird player to fit things around. And I think if next year they do let Ronaldo go, you know, I there would be worse scenarios than to see a team build around DiBala and say Chiesa, for example. I think that would be a really good team, a really fun team. And I hope that happens, despite having no actual evidence it will.
2: But I would hope, that. I would like that to, to be the case. Listen, if we... It, it, if Juventus gets rid of Ronaldo and gives me a Dybala Moise King front line, I'm going to forgive the Super League. I'll forgive everything. I'll, I'll buy all the jerseys. I'll, I'll buy season tickets. I can't even go to games. Like, I'm, I'm all in if you give me that.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That, that's why, like, that, that Twitter thing that I saw, it was, like, specifically designed to get, like, Juve fans that, like, really liked the team, like, five years ago or four years ago. Like it was specifically designed to get everyone like, yes, let's do that. Like, that's why I don't believe it's true because it's, it's too much like someone's been reading the comment section and they, they were trying to engineer a rumor that would just, you know, make people like Caleb and me get excited. <laughs> but I, I just don't think that will happen. I hope it, that'd be super cool to see happen, but I just don't think it, it will.
3: Good job talking through me hitting over my mic, by the way, Sergio.
1: Oh, pro's pro. You no, know, you know
3: what they <laughs> say. <laughs> All right, Sam, over to you from friend of the blog and loyal blog reader at Handy Vandy, Champions League or Super League, which league will Juventus be in next fall? And as a follow-up, because Handy Vandy is the king of the two-part question, will the wings of Fetty propel Juventus to European glory like they are destined to do?
0: Uh, well, maybe one of the wings will. I don't know about the other yeah. one anymore. <laughs> one of them. Um, <laughs> if we do, if we do end up with European glory in the near future, Federico Chiesa is going to have a lot to do with it. Berna, I'm not so certain. As for the the first question, ever since the collapse of the Super League, we've we've been talking more about the 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 top four and you know getting back into the Champions League. The fact of the matter is it's still an unresolved question at this point as to whether or not we'd be playing in either
2: You need a third option there for sure. Yeah,
0: there there, there is a there is the third option of their of the Super League is dead and Alexander Serafine out of spite uh, Seferine rather out of spite bans Juve from European competition for a year or two which given the uh, and this is another reason, you know, piggybacking off of so what i said last week and what i hope will be in print soon another reason why i don't necessarily think that andrea Anelli is a viable president for juventus going forward because you know if if Anelli is the guy that has to deal with uefa after this whole debacle is is, is anybody gonna want to talk to him i don't think so so i mean it barring any bans it's it's going to be the champions league because the super league, you know, if you want to, you know, try and do the super league next year, sure. You can just play a bunch of games between Juve and Barcelona and Real Madrid. And isn't AC Milan still in there right now, officially, I think, but yeah, sure. Play a little four team league for like the off to the side for the entire year and hope that a bunch of people subscribe to design to get it. But (laughs) uh, if that's even still a thing, which probably it isn't, but yeah it's uh it- it'll be the ch- it'll be the champions league barring any funky uefa punishments I- i'm sure that there will be some sort of punishment lev- levied at the club it's likely to be in the form of a fine rather than a ban i think unless there is so much animosity from Stephanie to juventus and anieli specifically that he just goes he just goes for broke against juventus that would end up getting appealed out the wazoo to the court of arbitration for sport and all that stuff but yeah the the answer is champions league if we're going to be playing in europe or or europa league or europa league depending but yeah if if juventus finished top four champions league yeah that's the answer
2: what, how, how far does that bitterness extend? So, where the whole decision is going to be made on if Juventus makes Champions League, they're banned. But if they make Europa League, make them play in
1: that. <laughs> Europa League, baby. Oh, yes. yes. He's back. We were He's waiting back. for that. There it's back. Go. The chaos
0: is back. Yes. The familiar chaos, not the Tito chaos.
1: It's ready to be so, defeated
2: by Clint Dempsey again.
1: It's going to be so much more fun to watch them play in the Europa League. So much more fun. Like they're going to play in like the round of 32 against some weird Belgian team and they're barely going to make it through. It's just going to be fun. I want it to be fun. I wanted to have a chance to win something because next year they ain't winning the Champions League, but they might win the Europa League. And that would be fun. Seeing them lift trophies. It's fun. Even if it's a glorified second tier European competition, it's fun. still. I, w- I would enjoy it.
3: That's why Sergio is going to be all in on the Coppa Italia in a couple of weeks. You heard it here. Of first.
1: course, I've already forgot about out there. Yeah,
2: like I don't care. It's all <laughs> about Copa Italia, baby.
3: We're, we're Super Copa champions, Danny. That's right. And Sergio's we Twitter. We already name, have a
2: show. We don't need it
1: anymore.
3: <laughs> Sergio's People Twitter forget. name will not let you forget it.
1: People forget we actually are the Super Copa champion. Yeah.
3: Next up here from another friend of the blog from at Arthur Schmidt the fourth. If Pirlo were to be removed as manager. Can you see a scenario where he becomes the under 23 coach like he was supposed to be originally?
2: I would like to see it. I would love to see him be able to, to actually move into being a, uh, a coach, actually get a little bit more experience under his belt. But you don't see that happen. You, you just don't see someone being rushed into a job and then them just backtracking and being okay with it. And, I mean, maybe if anyone – Pierlo seems like the kind of guy who might not take things personally and, and just be fine staying with the you know the club that he has done so much for and being a an U23 coach, but I don't see that happening basically across the board with anybody. So I'll I'll say no. It wouldn't shock me if he stayed, but I would I would bet no that doesn't happen.
0: Depends a lot on who's in charge of Juventus after May as well. That's the other thing.
2: Yeah, if it's a cleaning house kind of thing, it doesn't matter if he wants the U23 job or not. <clears throat> They're going to force him out. Good question. I should mention that since we didn't expound on it as much. <laughs> Still a solid question. We appreciate it.
3: <laughs> since we've already talked a little bit of the midfield, we will throw one more to Sergio before we get everybody to chip in on the final one. From at Servage. 2 what's the best... Midfield, we can realistically have next season.
1: Yeah, I mean realistically, you know, just like like we were mentioning before, right? Like you get, you know, it seems like the Manuel Locatelli thing. It's probably happening at this point. You know, it's it's been reported widely. It's known that you know the team likes him as a player, and he just fits to a T what they need right now. So, realistically speaking, I think a look at Delhi flanked by you know Bentancourt and say McKinney because it seems like Adrian Raviot is being sacrificed in, in the capital gain altar. Uh, but you know, I, I think that would be realistic. I think that's not you know it's a super expensive proposition. I think you know it would work because like I've said I'm still high on Rodrigo Bentancourt. I still think that when deployed correctly he can be an asset. Um, and McKinney, we've seen that he can be an asset. You know, he's obviously his his form has taken a, a, a turn for the worse lately. But you know, that's injuries. That's you know, what, all all you want to you know, chalk up to all the bunch of stuff that he he's been involved in lately. But you know, I, I, I still think he can be a really really good box to box midfielder. And I, I would I would say that you know, a Benfica McKinney Rocatelli type of mid. I think that's realistic. I think that would actually be really good. I think it would solve a lot of the issues that the team currently has, and I w- I wouldn't mind it being you know not not one bit. I wouldn't mind seeing that, assuming of course that anybody gives Juventus just anything for Aaron Ramsey at this point. Like I'm talking a couple sack of balls, and you know they, they'll sit, they'll they'll chip in for the you know Jay. J Stadium, like, you know, Benders or something, whatever it is, just get and Ramsey out of here. But as long as they do that, I think they, they're gonna be fine. I think they're gonna have a solid midfield. Will that be enough to, you know, challenge for the Champions League? Probably not. But I think it's it's a lot better than what they currently have. And I don't think it's a super unreasonable, you know, expectation or a super unreasonable scenario to, to see.
0: I think it also depends a lot on what moves happen around it. I think if you're if you're looking at a at a summer where Ronaldo leaves the club at that point you're what you're getting 29-30 million as a transfer fee, you're wiping out almost 60 million euros of his wages off the books gross. That's a point where you might be able to leverage enough money to pick up Locatelli and either a DePaul or a, or an Awar or something like that, especially, you know, if, if Leon end up wanting Mattia, Mattia de Chilio for, for the future using that as a potential make weight for Awar is a, it could be in play as well. A midfield of, of Locatelli, Awar slash DePaul. And Bentancur slash McKinney, That I th- I don't think it's probable, but I do think it could be realistic if everything were to go were to go a certain way. But I I do think that given the fact that Juventus does have to spread whatever money they do end up with around, uh, because there are there are far more holes to fill than just the midfield on this team. I th- I agree with Sergio that the most realistic look is. Locatelli flanked by some of the guys that, that are already on the roster.
2: If we're if we're making wish lists for having that much money, bring me Camavinga or birch or go out somewhere that where we haven't talked about yet and go go give me one of those young guys. I'll pay all the money for them.
0: Or just give Niccolo Fagioli a run. Like let let's see what the let's see what the kid has. Screw it.
1: Yeah, I it just it's so weird because you sometimes get like Internet brain, and like it's like it's the same thing with like Luca Pellegrini, who's now uh, who's still on loan somewhere, Cagliari, I think. And everyone's like super high, Genoa. on him. Genoa, thank you. And and like everyone was super high on him. We all really wanted him to, to be on the team and to play, and they just loaned him out. And now with Niccolo Fagioli, everyone's like, Yeah, he looks good, let's give him a shot, and they give him no shot whatsoever. And it, ju- it just makes you. It just made, really makes you wonder, like, do, do, like, do we really not know anything or do, like, how, like, does he look really bad on training? Like, at this point, I really don't understand why not give him a shot. Like, there's like he, he just had
0: a fantastic game for the under-23 team. Yeah, uh, scored yeah, a penalty, I, had a couple of really great passes. I think he had an assist or two. Yeah, I mean, like it, he, I he just had a fantastic game and said it, it for, for the under 23s this past weekend.
1: I, I understand not wanting him to, you know, throw him to the Wolves in the Coppa Italia final or against Inter or whatever, but you were facing Udinese. Like, th- that's a pretty, you know, game where you could afford to just see what happened, just kind of like see something. I guess they kind of did that with, with Felix Correa, who had his that he had a boot, debut, but I mean, I, you know, I think that was nice but he played like 10 minutes. I don't know how much you can make of it. But yeah, I would definitely like to see more of those dudes being given a shot, especially with the season winding down. They're not in danger of losing their under-23 eligibility. So at this point, give them a go, right? But I mean, who knows? We're not there in training every day. Maybe they're just, you know, not ready. Maybe they just don't like what they see. Who knows? But
2: it really is baffling to me that they just don't, you know, give them a shot at this point. Throw Dragunson in there, the holding midfielder, see what chaos – I mean, he'll get a yellow card in like five minutes, but it'll be (laughs) fun. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see that.
3: (laughs) All righty. Final question here from at Andar Sofian. What is your best moment of the season so far? And this is for everybody.
1: Uh, The start, I guess. The first (laughs) game against (laughs) Abdoria, where we all were hopeful and enjoying things.
3: That might also be Aaron uh, Ramsey's best best moment of the season. Yeah, cer-
1: game. certainly Ramsey's. I think I named him my MVP of that game because he was legitimately good. Like he was really, really good. I mean, by far the best game he had for Juve. Insane. We already thought he was going to be the key, and look at that. But you know, being serious, I, I think that that Milan game, that that you know when the the title race was still on, when Milan was leading, you know that it was. Federico Chiesa's coming out party. Uh, he had that, you know, beautiful go-ahead goal with ibala linking with him and that back heel pass. Massive win. You know, we all really thought, here we go. This is Juve. We're making a run for the, for the title. And then injuries, bad luck, COVID, you know, everything happened. And and everything everything went away. It's just, yeah, it's a shame. But I think that, that was the high point, of. Of the season. And, you know, quickly, you know, harping back on, on what a previous question was about whether Pirlo would take a under 23 place, that's the type of games that I, I'm thinking. I, I think he can, he does have the skills to be a good manager. I think with time, he could become a very, very good coach because he won those type of games. You know, the, the Copa Italia semifinal against Inter. You know, he, he really managed the hell out of that those both legs. So he definitely has talent. This was maybe too much, too fast for him, but th- that's what I would love to, to see him get another shot because th- there were a lot of flashes this season like that 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 definitely, you know, show that he has the capability. So, but yeah, the, the highlight of the season for me, that that Milan game for sure.
0: I'm in total agreement. And just the, not only... I mean, the, the circumstances of that game where, you know, Juve were missing a bunch of guys from COVID at the time. I think that was – there were, what, four guys, I think, and it was – Delict was out, uh, Quadrado was out. And, and it was also, like you said, Sergio, the coming out party for Federico Chiesa. And I think the, the true stamp of – because, you know, Chuck said this last week or a week or, or two weeks ago – you know, there were a lot of people, Chuck's included, that were not convinced by Chiesa's signing. They, that, that were sensing, you know, that who thought that it would be more along the lines of a second Bernardeschi signing than what it has turned out to be so far. And that was full on confirmation that you had a real gem in Chiesa and that you, you have this, regardless of what happens with Ronaldo in the future, regardless really of what happens with DiBala in the future, Federico Chiesa is the potential centerpiece to this team for a really really long time, and that was the game that really announced that to to the world, and we'll see how you know we'll see how the future goes, but yeah and. You know, at, at, the, at that time, and especially given the situation at the time, Milan was the hottest team in the league. They hadn't lost a game in, in, in months at that point. I think they were still unbeaten in the league at that point. And, you know, to go into the San Siro, obviously an empty San Siro, but still the San Siro, and and win that game and play really one of their best games of the season, badly shorthanded. It, uh, it, it, yeah, best, best moment of the year by far. So, runner, uh, honorable mention to the Camp no game as well. That's, that's, that's where I was idea. going.
2: McKinney's yeah. significant goal is, is absolutely, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still like a background on like three of my different social media profiles. It's on my phone. It's whatever. <laughs> I, it was an incredible feeling. I mean, that's obviously we had saw how well McKinney had been playing leading up to that point. But there was just something in that moment that made it click. like, man, this guy is actually that good. He's not just going to be a staple in the U.S. men's national team for years to come. He he could legitimately be a staple in a Juventus midfield over the next five years. I mean, and that's just really, really exciting to watch. I do think if I go back to to a league game, go way, way back. We talked about the beginning when things were going well, especially for this guy, but the Kulisovsky's debut goal was just so beautiful. I mean, the way he – that's exactly what we knew he was capable of. You always – you know, he was going to be that guy who was always putting in on his left foot, and he just passed that ball into the corner of the net, and we're like, oh, this guy is exactly who we thought he was going to be, and he's going to be incredible. And I still have faith in him. Sorry, you know, for anyone who doesn't, but I'd love to see him in the pies on opposite planks for, for a while. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, so big goals by first-year players were among my favorite moments for this year.
3: Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, we'll wrap things up there. Thank you everybody for your Twitter questions. This was obviously one of the biggest responses we've ever gotten. And that's why we decided to spend a whole lot of time on this episode answering them. So uh, as always you can send in your Twitter questions to at Juventus Nation on Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook at black and white and red all over. Same search phrase if you want to listen to us on Apple Podcasts and on iTunes can search black and white and red over there same goes for spotify and google podcasts i want to thank caleb the newbie of the group for jumping on with us in place of uh, in place of our resident dutchman chucks thanks for having me thank you for for coming by so for caleb for the aforementioned chucks who's out doing some good community work for Samuel lopresti and sergio this is danny saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week which by the way, Sam's been asking the last few weeks. It'll be our one-year anniversary. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we'll have Chucks lead the party since he's obviously the rowdiest one of the group. So for everybody, this is Danny once again saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.